My wife took my colorblind glasses from me Sunday. She's evil like that. And I would have said something to her. And even though she's five foot four nothing, I'm a little afraid of her. I'm not used to the colorblind glasses. I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before. 30 years married to my wife. My children have always told me about what her eyes look like. And Lord have mercy. It was beautiful. Right across the field was a giant poppy field. And it was so beautiful. I went to the beach and saw my first sunrise and God would just show one off. That's all it was. My problem is now when I have them on and I'm driving, I'm wanting to look at stuff. Mere formalities. But when I went offside the road Sunday on the way home, but it was pretty. And she lost all sense of humor. It doesn't fix everything. It takes me from seven colors to about 16. And I will soon take the test, and they think I could have potentially up to 36 colors I'll be able to see. But Saturday night, I'm out with my wife, and I see something in the clouds. And I said, what is that? And she said, that's a rainbow. God was just showing off. I hate that it's been perverted. But we know what the scriptures say and we know what it's a sign of. And so I got to see my first one the other day. I want to see a sunset. I guess I'm on the wrong coast. The Bible tells us in Genesis 9, 11 through 17. Genesis chapter number 9, verse 11. If you have trouble finding that, it's in Genesis chapter 8. One more and you're there. First book of the Bible, you can go to your tables of contents. Genesis is found on page 1. Verse 11. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring the cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I'll remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And a bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it, that I remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God said unto Noah, this is a token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So at my first look, at a rainbow, the bottom of it was purple. That's how I saw it. Some would say, oh, that'd be violet. No, it's purple. And I looked at that, and if it's a remembrance of a covenant, then when I look at a rainbow, it's going to teach me something. And when I look up and I see the color purple, from what I understand, purple has traditionally stood for, it has stood for royalty. 
And so when I'm down here and I'm looking at that rainbow, I understand that I'm, when I'm looking at the guy that owns that bow, he's not just any guy, but he's king. Matter of fact, the Bible calls him a seven-way king, but he is a king of the ages. We understand that to be true. And so when I look at him, I understand he's not only king, but the Bible calls him Lord. A while back ago, I had a fellow tell me, I don't know about all that lordship salvation. I think you can be saved, not call him Lord. And I just had two verses for him, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the... shall be saved, the Bible said. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You could be saved again. So I'm one of those guys that just believes. If I'm seeing purple, I understand that he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the Lord of all creation. And he is worthy to have my knee bowed to. So that, that's what I understand. Purple, and that's the first thing I saw. The next color morphed into a blue, and I can't see what happened in between blue and purple, but I saw blue, and I know what that means. I know what it represents in the Bible. It represents heaven. Now, I'd be honest with you, I don't know a lot about heaven. I preach more on hell than I do heaven. Jesus spoke more on hell than he did heaven. But what I do know about heaven is very limited. I don't understand streets of gold. I, I, I rode North Carolina roads here for two and a half hours. I don't understand crystal seas. Most of our rivers down here, you dive in, you'll come out with an extra nostril. I don't understand that. I don't even understand Ezekiel 40 and 41 as we get the blueprint of the celestial city. I don't understand all that. But I do know a little bit about heaven that I'm accustomed to as he tells us in Revelation 21.4. In that place, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any pain, for the former things have passed away. If you were here Sunday, you heard the rundown of the, how the last year went. My best friend in the ministry I buried. My dad's wife, who has always been there for me. I buried her last March. And then my mother passed away Thanksgiving. I've just lost a lot of folks. Now, I understand as you get older, you have to go through that a little bit more and you understand a little bit more. But I do understand now that I could not understand when I was younger. Heaven's sure looking a whole lot sweeter today. During mom's last days, I went to pick her up and I didn't, she was lying to me about what the doctor would say. And she would come out trying to protect me and say, clean bill of health. But the cancer was already climbing up her spinal cord. You never really help when you lie. God never asks you to lie. She wasn't helping me. And so what she gave me is a gift. 
is two days before she died, I went to pick her up to do care on her. I was doing all of her care. And I felt her back break and she took to screaming. And for about 19 hours, all I could think is, I broke my mom's back. The doctor came out and had a piece of the bone. And he just started flexing it. And he said, it's cancer. It's everywhere. It still haunts me. And if you got a special little thing that you've heard, a nugget of truth that's going to take um, the painful memory away, I'm in to purchase that. still bothers me, but if I understand the Bible right, she's fine now. The last little while, fentanyl and Delighted together was not keeping her conscious. And they say, if we get her unconscious, she dies. And I remember looking at the doctor going, just make the screaming stop. And he did. And she did. And though she was screaming blindly in pain here, the instant that it was over, she landed in the bosom of Jesus. And a brand new body began to form in her. And she is fine now. There don't have to be golden streets. There will be. There don't have to be gates of pearl. There will be. But there's some folks I want to see not sick anymore. Or that remember my name. And I could just talk it over with them. So when I look up, I saw purple. If I'm going to get to God, i got to see purple first. I have to be born again. To be able to get to heaven one day. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. So we look and we see purple and then we see his home. We see blue. We see heaven. The next color that I saw was yellow. You may see it different, but I had colorblind glasses on. That means you're wrong. (laughs) I saw yellow or as my dad would say, yellow. Only time I ever heard Yowler, they had Ole in front of it, and I've watched that movie one time, (laughs) never again. What does yellow do? What does it do for us? It talks about us about sunlight. But in particular in the scripture, it speaks to us about the light of heaven and who that light is. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7, I'm going to try not to jump ahead of myself here, but, but if I walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So if I walk in the light, I have fellowship. That means I don't even have to know you and I love you. We may have grown up in different areas. But for the biggest part of us, I heard we have the same father. And for some of you, I see your trait, his traits in you. And it just looks beautiful to me. So if I can walk in that light, I have fellowship with Jesus Christ and with you. And that light is going to expose the darkness and it's going to cleanse me. So the more I expose myself to the light of God, the cleaner I'm going to be able to walk. And then dare I say, the holier I'm going to live. For the Bible said without holiness, you're not going to see God. You don't get to just do it your own way. The next light I saw was green. 
It was pretty interesting. The thing about these colorblind glasses, I've not had them long enough to remember my primary colors. Every morning, my wife has to go over them again. This is blue. This is purple. This is green. Romper, romper, romper room. You know, I, it just, uh, I dated myself there with that old TV show. But it's every day I have to go through it. And let me just tell you, this is a rabbit, but I'm going to go after it. Small kids teach better than adults do because a woman will pick it up and go, oh, this is chartreuse. And I'm like, char what? <laughs> is it green? Is it brown? What is it? Oh, come on. Somebody looked at me the other day and said, that's mahogany. No, mahogany is wood. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> green was the next color I saw. And green tells us about growth. And that's what God wants you to do. He, he wants more of you than just a fire insurance policy. He wants you to grow up. He, he understands you're going to start out being carried and then you're going to start rolling and crawling and, and whatever babies do, but there's going to come a time where he wants you to get up and say, come on, come on, sissy, walk to me. And that's, that's the joy in his heart as you begin to grow. And the Bible tells us, Romans 2, 7, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing. So whoever this is, patient continuance in doing right, they give honor and glory and immortality, eternal life. God is looking for you to be patient and doing well. I don't have that down pat. I want to have it down pat. But I don't have it down pat yet. I still get angry just like anybody else. Go to McDonald's or the same thing every time. I want a number one with a sweet tea because I don't like talking to something that sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. And, and then they always ask me a question. Do you want an apple pie with that? I want a one with a sweet tea. Come on. And that's all I ever order. And that's, that's just me. And then I get there and it's not a number one. And it does something to me. What it done to you? You drive through McDonald's, order ice cream, and they say our machines broke down. If I'm lying, I'm dying here. I went to Sonic, and they said we're out of ice cream. And I went, that's who you are! You know the damage a fat guy can cause when... God wants us to grow. If by patient continuance, I'm not near what I was in 87. The rage monster is staying more and more inside the cage. He is getting weaker by the day. I am feeding the good dog. I'm not feeding the bad dog. And, and God is able to do some things in me I never thought he'd be able to do. But I could still, every once in a while, it just starts at my toes. What do you do? Patient continuance equals growth. And that's what God wants from you. You cannot grow in Christ and divorce yourself from the Word. You're going to grow three ways. You're going to grow by the books you read, the people you meet, and the jobs you do. Those are the three ways you're going to grow. The next color I saw was orange. Orange, for me, I've always heard that it was a warning. Even though I still struggle with that color some, and I don't see it great, I was able to pick it out. But orange is a warning. And we get warnings from the Scripture, and one warning that is given to us in the book of Acts, Paul understands what was coming. And here's what he said, For I know this, 
Acts 20, 29. That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Grievous wolves are interesting. Uh, they're the wolves that are playing on the mountainside looking like puppies while the shepherd is in the valley with his sheep. The shepherd knows who and what those wolves are, but the sheep just see puppies playing, laying in the sun, showing their bellies, and they get closer and closer. They get mad at the shepherd when the shepherd corrects them and brings them back. But if they get far enough away, that pretty little puppy with canines that long rips their throat out, and they can't even defend themselves because they're not made for that type of combat. Oh, people get so angry with me as a pastor when I tell them there's a wolf behind that door and you need to stay away. You need to stay away. They're not used to that type of combat. We can't handle it. Well, I've grown in Christ. How long has Lucifer been alive? He's better at it than you are. You're going to lose. You can't fight that. You have to stay with the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives us the warning Nowadays, you see it more and more as you're in the Christian faith. There's a lot out there saying it's Christian, but it denies the power thereof. Anything wants to speak to you about Christian faith and not repentance before Jesus or holy living is not from God. And you must flee from that. The last color I saw was red. Well, preacher, there's more colors in it that I saw. I have glasses. You're wrong. That's, red was the last one. But I'm glad I'm out of church. I don't have to ask you what red means. It stands for the blood of Jesus. The blood. The blood of lambs. Interesting enough, I've done a study on these. Oxoid Corporation in England was able to call and get their printouts. Shared something with me that just totally blew me away. Long time ago, if you got bit by a rattlesnake or a copperhead, they would give you an antivenom. That antivenom was derived from horses or it was derived from rabbits. And they would take the venom, inject the horse, inject the rabbit. It was usually fatal to the rabbit. It would cripple the horse, but they'd pull the blood off and there was antivenoms in it. And you could give it to people and you could fight off a copperhead or a rattlesnake bite because of antivenom. Hallelujah. The tree hugger said, no, you can't be hurting thumper and you can't be taking care of horses that way. And so you have to stop. So we tried from 68 to 74 to make it synthetically. And here's what we found out. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. So what they found out was that if they can find an animal, don't you get ahead of me, if they can find an animal that at birth has no bacteria in its blood, and if that animal can make its existence without ever getting cut or bruised, then if they put the venom inside of that animal, there's nothing for the venom to attack, but that animal is a perfect fighting machine against the venom. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Oxford Corporation's growing lambs everywhere down inside of Australia. They're not being hurt. They're not scratched. They don't, ha they don't have any bacteria in their blood. As long as that lamb can stay alive, he will continue to be making the anti-venom so that we can be better and that we can make it through whatever it is. Can I tell you this? As long as Jesus Christ can maintain His own existence, He is the perfect antidote for sin in your life. Get to Jesus. He'll help you get out of the sin. 
he could do just that. But that's not all they do. That's not all they do. They have another flock of sheep. Flock of sheep is, is a bunch of sheep's a flock. Good. I was just testing you. Down Argentina, they're used for a different purpose. We have found that in a field situation, there's only one animal you can receive its blood and it not kill you, and that's a lamb. If you're dying in your sin and you have lost hope and you can't even see the daylight because your depression is over you because your sin is over you and you're about to lose hope, there is a lamb that filled a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood will lose all their guilty stains. If you need Blood transfusion, you can only take one animal's, and that's a lamb that's never been bruised or scratched. That's red. I also found out some things just because I was aggravated. I was down at Faith Free Will Baptist Church in Rockingham, and I was eating, and I got some mustard there on my shirt. I couldn't see it, but my wife could. She's evil like that. And so I take it to the laundry people and say, hey, Mr. Laundry person, Mr. Dry Cleaner, I've got a spot here. And he went, there ain't no spot there. And I said, look at this. And he went, oh, it's over here. My wife says there's a spot. It's mustard. He said, we'll get it. Two days later, I go back. My shirt is all pressed. It's looking nice. And there is a little baby pin that has a note on it. It says, sir, we are so sorry. We tried everything we could. But that stain is not going to come out. Okay. Can you try a different product? Oh, we've already dried it. It's there forever. Okay. So I went home and I got a product that was called the stain lifter. And I tried to use it and it didn't work. So I called Procter and Gamble. In the process of that phone call to Proctor Gamble, I look up stain lifter. It's a Latin word, but that Latin word we also find in the Greek that shows up in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We already read a passage in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ washes us, cleanses us. Same Greek word. Well, I did find out that that Greek word has a copyright on it. And that copyright is owned by Procter & Gamble. 
So in the process of me wanting to call and leave them hold it, because these shirts are like from Barnum and Bailey. You've got it. I mean, two bale of cotton big. You you got to be able to keep them. And I said I need to talk with somebody that is in the patent office to tell me why you got stain lifter, and I also need to go to chemical analysis to know why it didn't get it off my shirt. And they went, well, we've never had a call like this before. We'll look. I said, well, I've got time. <laughs> Ten minutes later, a lady calls and says, well, yes, we do have a copyright on that name, stain lifter. We have it on our bottles. And I said, good. Why'd you copyright it? And she said, because it wasn't copyrighted and we did it for marketing. And I said, I had a stain and it didn't lift it. She says, I'm part of copywriting. I'm not a part of chemical analysis. I said, I've got time. Put them on the phone. They, 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 they put me on some terrible elevator music for a while. And it goes to London, Kentucky, I mean, London, Ohio, which is just north of Cincinnati. And I get a guy on the phone who is so timid. Hello? And I was like, hey, buddy, I'm not, here to, I'm not here to really chew your head off or nothing. You could be all right. I'm not here to. I just need some answers. What type of answers are you looking for? On your product, you have the stain lifter. And I have mustard on my shirt. And I took it to the dry cleaner. They couldn't get it off. I took it home, and I put the stain lifter on it. Didn't get it out. He said, did you dry it? That's beside the point. <laughs> so why would you copyright this? Did you do it because your product is so good it just obliterates stains? And he went, no, sir, you can't obliterate matter. Matter is matter. You can rearrange matter, but you can't obliterate matter. It's here forever. And I said, Urkel, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Why do you call it the stain lifter? He said, what we've been able to teach this detergent to do is not to attack the stain but it gets between the fiber and the stain and lifts it away through the washing of the process of agitation. And I said, you tell me what? He said, oh no, we're not there to attack the stain. We can't do anything about it. But what we can do is get our product into the fibers and it changes everything. In the process of being colorblind, I, for some reason, we thought it was brilliant that I start doing all the laundry. I do the laundry because we have three kids, and it's not fair to make my wife do everything around the house and me sit around and do nothing, so I do all the laundry. Amen. Yeah. She works full-time job. She needs help. I had three kids, too. But one day, my white shirt comes out. And it, it, it's pink. <laughs> I didn't know until a lady named Barbara Spencer told me. And I was like, mind your business. <laughs> and I said, how's this pink? And she said, somebody washed this with a red, you know, a red what? A red shirt, and it made my shirt pink. And she said, put bleach on it. Like, it's fantastic. So I went home and I put bleach on it. I called Urkel a week later. You remember you told me about these stains and all that? And I said, yes. He said, yes, I remember. And I said, uh, bleach takes the stain out. And he said, no, it doesn't. 
I said, uh, yes, it does. I'm wearing that white shirt. He said, it's not as white as it used to be. And I was like, you've not even seen it. I don't have to see it. I know what bleach does to fiber. And what it does, it makes it old, it makes it brittle, and it makes it yellow. It is yellower now than it was last week. That's beside the point. He said, it's a fake white. You got to get something between the fiber and the stain to remove it. And unto Jesus, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So I have to tell you, I am thankful that I understand when I look up I have to see purple. But I can't tell you how thankful I am that when he looks down, he sees red first. My sin has been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ as he has got in the very fiber of my being and got between me on the day of the salvation that I gave my heart to Christ and got between my sin and said, not this one, not this one, he belongs to me. And now before the Father, I stand white and correct and good because of my relationship with the blood of Jesus Christ that saved me from my sin. So you may be here tonight, and you have never saw purple, not in the real world, but you just haven't seen Jesus as Lord yet. As hard as this is, I'm going to make you a promise. You will never make it to heaven without Jesus. Well, Pastor Hurd, I'm not sure how to do this. Well, you're going to have to get your position changed. To where when he looks down, he sees red. And when he sees red, you're going to be fine.